This is The Art Life. Hello, I'm Zandra Robinson Burns, writer and the founder of Heroin Training. And today I am so pleased to introduce my co host, actress and activist Grace Gordon. Grace, what are we doing today? Well, Zandra, a couple episodes ago, we let people know that we were taking a brief hiatus just to to work on a secret next step of the show. And I'm so happy because today we are letting the world know that this next step of our show is having guests on. It's interviewing artists. It's interviewing teachers. It's interviewing those people who we want to discuss the art life. So for our first interview, you sat down with Rory, who is a lovely musician and a longtime friend of yours. And of course, she's the person who makes our the music for our show. Yeah. So welcome, uh, welcome everyone to the beginning of the interviews on The Art Life. I cannot wait to share this interview with everyone because it was so much fun to talk to Rory and the whole interview you'll notice I um I really wanted to call her Erin which is the name her like, actual name and the name that I, I grew up knowing her as but I was like Rory so I, I just wanted to uh <laughs> mention that here yeah, it's so cute because I've never actually met her in real person. And, I, you know, first and foremost, I associate her with her music and her relationship to the show. Like, I don't have that that struggle. So I was remembering, oh, yeah, like this is a stage name and, and you're having to completely adjust for the purposes of the show. But it's cute. You know, this happens. This happens with with friends this, of actors music musicians anyone who uses a stage name or performer name it's like oh wait I have to call them something different right I have to go into that mode and interview (laughs) and it's so cool because we in the interview itself we talk a little bit about this performance persona so oh there's so much that I am so excited to share with everyone so should we just get to it Yeah, this is such a juicy conversation, and I'm so glad. I just want to say before we get into it, I'm so glad that this, you know, this first interview is not just someone who's involved with the show and has contributed to it, but who also listens to the show. So it's such a great thing that she understands what we're doing and that she she opens up this whole conversation with insight about the show itself. So thank you so much, Rory, Erin. Let's get to it. Hey everyone, I am here in the virtual studio with our first ever guest on The Art Life. You'll know her from her song The Stream, which we play on every episode of this show, and from all the times that I cannot stop talking about how much I love her music. Rory, welcome to The Art Life. Hi, Sandra. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited that you're our first guest. It just felt like the perfect way to start to invite other voices was why not give a voice to the person whose music we have on the show every week. Uh, You know, I'm so excited and honored to be here. I am a fan of this podcast. I've listened to every episode and One thing that I really like about this podcast is the dialogue between you and Grace Gordon. There's such a flow there. And when you talk, it's always so calming and motivating all at the same time. So I will admit that I'm a little bit nervous to be the first guest because I want to carry that on (laughs) the spirit of the campfire conversations on and, um, But I am just really excited to be here and excited to see where this conversation goes. Well, it's very in keeping with the lyrics from the stream, which I recommend that everyone who hasn't uh, go and and listen to the full version of the song because um, it's 
about flow and it's about um, carrying on on the journey. And I was thinking about that when you let us pick a song to represent the show, that really resonated with me as a description for what we believe the art life is. But it's really cool to hear your feedback that it's how the show feels as well. So, so much synchronicity here. Oh, yay. I love that. Sometimes when the song comes in, I forget that it's an instrumental to one of my songs because (laughs) it just flows so naturally with it. So that's great. And you have another song that you recently released a lyric video for. Um, At the time that we're recording, you just dropped your lyric video for Sun, which is currently my favorite on the album. I cycle through every week. Um, But I loved that. I'm so glad. Thanks. I had been working on that for a while and um, finally just finished it up and decided it was the sun is starting to come out. It's spring now, so it seemed like the right time to release it. So I wanted to ask you, in that video, it opens with you singing in the car, which yes. I love because it's it's such a relatable thing. Everyone sings in the car, or everyone I know sings in the car. <laughs> but you make it seem so fantastical by putting it in this setting. And so I'm wondering, is this a glimpse of your songwriting process? Do you write songs and sing them to yourself while you're driving because you have so many motifs in many different songs that are about commuting and being on the road and um and then this video opens with you singing in the car oh that's so funny that you asked that because I did write sun in the car um I was driving and I'm usually very inspired when I'm driving, probably because there's not much else that I'm doing besides just focusing on the road. And I can't really be distracted by my phone, or at least shouldn't be. (laughs) Um, But I actually wrote that song when I was, I had just visited two of my friends and um, I was actually getting ready to move. And so I visited two of my friends and they live kind of in like the valley part of Northern Virginia. And so I was driving home that evening and the sun was just so bright and orange and like golden. And it was reflecting through my rear view mirror as I was driving. And I started just singing those lyrics and humming the song. And um, the song is sort of about being an, an introvert and letting myself be seen as an artist and a performer and taking those steps and being okay with that. And so as I'm writing a song alone in my car, I just saw this sweeping sunset. And um, that's not exactly captured in the lyric video because it's a little hard to recreate, but (laughs) um, it's very true to life. The lyric video was just me in my element looking very, very normal, not glammed up at all, just kind of humming along to a song. It's so cool to hear that from the perspective of the songwriter because I, as a music lover, do that where I will I will listen to a song after um, visiting a friend like you described, and it'll it'll connect in my mo- in my memory to that yes. instance. Um, but it's really cool to hear your perspective as like that's how the song is born, too, in this case. Right. Different songs type themselves with different moments in life, whether you're writing it or listening to it. There's just so many songs throughout my life that I've played in the car by other artists that now are specifically typed with that experience or that moment. Mm. And this is this is our aim with bringing guest artists on the show is to hear more of the creator's perspective. And um, so... Yeah, thanks for that little glimpse. And I also wanted to ask you about a phrase you said, which I love, which was about being an introvert being seen. Yeah. And a a big way that you do that is through your art and through your music. And it's something that I've also been thinking about at 
the time that we're having this conversation because it is mid-March 2020 and uh, (laughs) the world is in quarantine right now and a lot of a lot of performance has gone virtual which as an introvert myself this is kind of familiar have you been experiencing something similar yeah absolutely it's definitely some interesting times and full disclaimer even as an introvert I love people I need to be around people I get really antsy when I'm alone alone for too long but the activities that I do at home, like songwriting, writing in my journal, late night writing, reading books, watching Netflix, these are all very, very normal things for me to do. And so my activities really aren't that different during this quarantine season. Um, The only difference is that I don't get to go out for the things that I do go out for, um, which can make it seem like a longer time of being alone. But the actual activities themselves are nothing new and no surprise and very familiar to me as an introvert. And there is that interesting leveling of the field. Not sure if that's the term, the phrase I'm looking for, but a lot of extroverts are always out doing things and a lot of introverts are always creating inside. Obviously a stereotypical way to describe it, but Um, Now kind of everybody is. And so we connect over the internet and we also take time to have some space and just reflect. And it's definitely an interesting time and space for that to happen. Now, this is a question that I'm interested in in general, but it feels especially relevant right now, is how do you stay grounded? What are your grounding practices as an artist that keep you in the momentum of creating, but also since this is the art life of living. (laughs) Right. You mean during this quarantine-esque time or in general? Well, I mean in general, but if the, I mean both. And are they, are they different? Yeah. Well, let's see. So for me, there's a few different things. My faith is really important to me and definitely keeps me grounded. Also my family. Um, I think there's often an idea that artists are like these solitary people who have these personas and they do all of their work all the time. And something I've been really interested in lately, maybe partially because of this podcast, is because people... Um, artists have like a life just like a teacher has a life outside of school artists have a life outside of their performance their shows their persona and um, there's actually been some cool documentaries recently like the Taylor Swift documentary and the Lady Gaga documentary where you see these artists like at the retirement home visiting their grandparents and you remember that people have family and like their life um, going on as well. And that also makes me, maybe I'm veering off a little bit, but when I see things like that, it always makes me think about how we treat artists, like big celebrity artists, um, sometimes as though they don't have feelings or they don't have these family, their family and their faith and their life and their experience. And it's like, oh, wow, there's a lot going on in the full life as an artist, not just their moment on stage or not just their moment like posting on Instagram. So that's something I've been thinking a lot about lately. Mm -hmm. And obviously it becomes very relevant when you can't be out playing shows and and performing in the same way. Um, When you're kind of at home, like facing that quieter part of life. Okay. This is super interesting, especially because of, of what you say that it's harder to make that distinction now where you can't be Rory at home and and Rory on performing on stage because the stages are closed (laughs) oh gosh that makes me really sad but yeah it is really a difficult time for so many artists and performers and a lot of professions yeah and in this time or outside of this time do you have an awareness of when you as an artist are 
are showing up to perform, like where do you draw the line or do you draw the line? Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is specifically the answer to this question, but I did recently write this song and the song is called Show and it's about... <laughs> putting on a show it's it's very there's so many layers and multiple meanings to this concept but the idea was that I had been hearing a lot of stories about artists and struggling with mental health and the pressures and the things that go on to show up and to be um this certain level of excellence every time they show up otherwise people will shame them on social media or whatever. And so I, this isn't quite answering your question, but I had been thinking about it a lot and tried to put it into this song of showing like, I'm still going to be here when I'm not performing, like literally performing (laughs) or metaphorically, I guess. And, um, I have to be able to like look in the mirror and, and understand who I am then and be happy with that not just when I'm trying to succeed. And I think that's something that you talk about a lot in this podcast is how the creative spirit is there when you're cooking dinner on a Wednesday night just as much as it is as when you're performing an album release show on a Saturday night. And I think sometimes, I don't know if you ever experienced this, but as an artist, I get afraid of the times when I might not have something specific to create because I just love creating. It's so fun. And I'm always like, oh no, there's nothing to work on or create right now. I'm actually going to feel sad because this is really what I love. And it's not just about impressing other people or achieving something or looking good. It's just what I love to do. So do you ever experience that um, of wanting to have a project, not not to prove anything, but just because you just really enjoy it? Yeah, well, this is something that I've been making time for every day. And I'm curious to get your perspective from the way that you publish, release your music. Um, Because for me, as a writer, and I I self-publish online, I I can be publishing something every minute if I want to. And that's my primary medium. And so I do need to create space for, and for me, it's, it's, a, it's a time limit, whether it's 30 minutes a day or a page in my notebook a day of, sometimes I title it, whatever I feel like writing today. And actually, what I used that time for yesterday was I was listening through your EP, Singing in Silence, and just commentating on Aww. each song. And not because... That's so cool. Yeah, I don't know if I'll ever do anything with it, but it was it was so fun. And it wasn't to prepare for this interview. It was just out of joy and that's what I felt like writing. Um but the way that you release your music, I I don't even know the verbs here cuz I'm like you publish. <laughs> you put out an album recently called Valley in the Mirror. Yes. And it has 10 songs on it does and how did you choose which songs to include and I understand on the kickstarter you were saying you had space for 10 songs is that right yes and actually at that time I already had the exact 10 songs picked and they never changed which is kind of weird but that's how it happened so how did you know I guess now that we have digital music, there are fewer constraints than like however many songs will fit on a record. But you did have a record as well. Right. But did you set that number yourself or was it set for you in any way? Both. So obviously the trend now is to release singles and EPs. Some of it is because of budget constraints, but also because I think people just respond better to them. When I released singles, they got a lot more attention than when I, than the songs that released later on the full album. And those are just having a slower slower start, but that's just kind of the nature of our streaming world. Um, but 
the um, the number 10, 10 songs <laughs> happened because for as long as I can remember, I've always wanted to do a full length album. It was like a life goal that I wanted to do and I really wanted to do it by a certain time and I'm so excited that it happened thanks to Kickstarter and to wonderful people, the wonderful backers who backed it. Um, but the the 10 song number was sort of, it was long enough to be a full album, but also I, I could have made it longer, but I think I wanted to save some of those other songs that I have written for another time to release them as singles or EPs or another album, however my career should meander um, into the next thing. So um, 10 just seemed like a solid number. And I had some artists that I admire. I had seen they do just 10 song records. So um, it just sort of happened that I had maybe four or five of the songs written or that I've had for a long time. And I knew that those songs needed to go on some kind of project. And then I thought of the title. And then once I had the title to the album, I wrote the rest of it pretty quickly. So once I had the 10 songs, they just, I showed it to a friend and she said, I think if you do, if you get the opportunity to record this album as a full project, these are the songs that are going to be on it because I was so confident about it when I showed her and I had other songs and I was kind of fretting on whether or not I should switch them in or out, but that was just the right list. So that's what happened. Wow. So did you, so you mentioned once you came up with the title, did you then write songs to fit that theme or to tailor to that theme? Sort of. Thankfully, the title that I picked had a sort of broad uh, umbrella of topics that could go within it. So, or underneath it. So everything I started writing just started feeling like it matched. That's not really a technical answer. It's just (laughs) kind of how it happened. Well, that's what I'm interested (laughs) in uncovering here is the, those moments of that's just kind of how it happened. I feel like that's the art life. Yeah. I'm smiling so big right now. (laughs) I also got really excited when you just dropped the song title of an unheard song in show. And it it yeah. got me thinking about this weird time and space for for you as a, a singer-songwriter where the music that fans like me are enjoying right now or back in January when your album landed those are the songs that are like fresh and new but for you you've been sitting on some of these for years and years yeah what is that what is your relationship to those songs like how does it change once everyone can suddenly have them too right well the songs they tell a story a story I suppose of my life I think that they have other meanings to them as well but when I think about writing sun that was actually one of the songs that I wrote first for this album and I didn't even know it was for this album but I had never recorded it I had written it um back in 20 2013 maybe 2015 It, it was a while ago no maybe it was 2015 um a while ago and I had, hadn't put it on any of the Rory EPs leading up to the album. So I had some of those songs that just tell different stories, different parts of my life. And um, I can see how they, not foreshadow, but they sort of hint in my mind at the next thing, the songs that I recently wrote, because it's all sort of a process of life and the experiences that I've had. And so what was the question again, I think? <laughs> um- <laughs> I think it was about the relationship that you have with songs that you've written long ago that the audience is just seeing for the first time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely strange because I've had so much time with those songs Mm -hmm. and I really get excited that they're able to be recorded. I think I would have recorded all of these much sooner if I had had the budget 
Um, but it's something that you have to work up to being able to do a Kickstarter campaign like that. So I had released EPs before and, um, it's just really exciting to let people have them and relate them to their lives. And I love hearing stories where people say, Oh, this song reminded me of this in my life and this experience. And I'm thinking, Whoa, something that happened so long ago for me that maybe isn't even applicable to my life now. Mm -hmm. And some people who know me really well might ask, why are you still singing about that? The reality is that it's not really just a story for me, but maybe something that someone else will relate to and feel less alone or it'll apply to their life and something that's going on in their life currently. So it's still a story worth telling, even if it's not happening in my life at this very moment. And that's the beauty of performance. So true. I mean, it kind of reminds me of your SI, essay, SIs. What am I saying? <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> I'm creating a, a new word. <laughs> um, it reminds me of your essays and the content of your work that people can go back to, even in your podcast, people can go back to them uh, months or years later when they find them and they are still very applicable to the reader's life. And you wrote it based on something that you were experiencing or reflecting on at a certain point in time. And it's really cool how it's kind of timeless mm. and can maybe someone years from now will listen to it or read it and, and be impacted by it. Well, something that I'm fortunate to do in or that I prefer to do in the way that I publish is I'll write an essay and then I will publish it like maximum a week after I finish writing it. But for you, you you are sitting on these songs for so long. Is that is that ever hard? Do you want to just yes. share it? <laughs> yes. Um, there is a tension between saving it for the right time, waiting for the project itself, like Valley in the Mirror. I wanted it to be Valley in the Mirror. I could have just released these songs haphazardly five years ago, some of them. Obviously not all of them were written at that time. But I really wanted it to be um, that project. And there might be a time um, when I start releasing singles more frequently, more immediately. But... There is something about letting the music sort of develop over time and making sure that it's what I want it to be. Because when I first started doing music, I recorded some things that I will never play for anybody ever. <laughs> and so I wanted some time to get the songs to where I felt like they were ready. And, um, but then again, I realized that I, never actually feel ready. I just have to take the jump because if I waited until I felt like everything was perfect, then I would probably never release anything. So that's the struggle of perfectionism in art. <laughs> and what does that balance look like for you in the present day where do you have, I'm picturing you with these scraps of song ideas do you have a a like a system or um what is that pile of 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 songs in progress look like yeah so I tend to write things emotionally they're usually an emotional reaction a lot of times late at night um, the ideas start to flow. But then once the song is sort of half written, or even if I think it's fully written, I know that it's going to change over time. So that's another reason why I don't always release things right away is because there are words or phrases that I've changed out three years later that in my mind completely finish the song. Mm. And I hadn't thought of it until three years later. So that's definitely an interesting thing. <laughs> I was thinking of an example in my song Apogee on the album Valley in the Mirror. Mm -hmm. This might not seem significant to some people, but it, the first lyric used to be awake watching the starlight, which is cool. I had I do love stars and I love all the magic with that, but I had used 
the star imagery before in songs that I had written and just felt like it wasn't sitting quite right with what I was trying to say with that song. And so it changed to Awake Watching the Car Lights, literally right before I made the album. No way. Years later. Yeah. And then that just made sense. It just clicked into place. And I was like, this is the song. It makes so much more sense. And I can use the the star outer space imagery another time, which I plan to. So, <laughs> Okay, this is so cool because you're like equating car lights with star lights in the way yeah. that only only you can make sound so cool. <laughs> oh, where you're is it's, going back to the sun music video of those moments from everyday life that just you you catch the light differently and it's you're suddenly in Narnia. Oh, whoa. Catch the light differently. That's cool. Because it is. It's all lights. Yeah. Star lights, car lights, sunlight. <laughs> and so what I, I really love about your music is that it it evokes magic and sort of teaches us how to how to look at things differently that might be as simple as a train, which is your um, your single from the album. Yeah. So how, I mean, to ask a really big question, how do you do that? How did you make the choice to go from stars to cars? Like, right. Is it something that well, you do naturally or you have, or you do on purpose? I had, it's... <laughs> I think it might be more just instinctively. I knew that that line was wrong and I don't know why. <laughs> a lot of times when I write, it sort of happens in a flow. And so I have the song, but I can tell, oh, there's a line here that's wrong. There's a line here that's wrong. Mm. There's a line there that's wrong. And I know that I'm going to go back and change it. But sometimes it takes a long time to find that right place. And um, I, I literally switched that lyric out. I think I was just in the car one day <laughs> like I always am apparently um and it out of nowhere it just came to my mind and I was like oh that's okay that song's done now I I don't really have good answers for this <laughs> it's very very random when I start talking about well, it well I mean it's, it's a really hard question but I think that what's really interesting to me is that it's easy for us to go from cars to stars and like imagine that something is starrier than it is but to go from stars back to cars and like ground it back in reality more is mm. kind of a, a I see that as a brave choice oh that's cool yeah something that I just realized that I actually hadn't thought of before was the reason I said starlight was because the song is called Abigee, which is an outer space term. Mm. I'm a real nerd and have a lot of songs that have those things. Yeah. So it's when planets are in orbit and they're the furthest apart that they'll ever be. So like, it's like the furthest point apart. Perigee is the closest point apart. And then I have another song called orbit. Which I love. And, um, so that's sort of a theme. So I think I was thinking stars when I was writing it. But the song was about, like, honestly, being human. It was kind of inspired by this post-apocalyptic book series that I had read. <laughs> and so it kind of needed to come back to Earth and be more gritty, less dreamy, mm. more gritty. And so that's why cars made more sense. And car lights, you know, when they kind of like shine they you see things there's shadows you it reveals things so there was a, a realisticness to it i love that balance of dreamy and gritty yeah i think you and i were actually talking about that i don't remember when i feel like i was discussing this with you at some point in my creative process about how i wanted to have it be have that fantasy element, but also be really real. And I don't know if there's a word yet for that crossover. 
Well, there's a, a whole album, at least, about it now. <laughs> yeah. That's such an interesting thing to think about. Yeah. Well, as we're talking about outer space, to bring things back a little closer to Earth, you've said that your favorite episode of The Art Life is The Yurt Life, where we talked yes. about nature. And so I want to know what your relationship with nature is like. Yeah, well, I do live in the city. I've kind of always lived in cities. And I will admit that I can have no claim on being a nature girl. I don't know what the term is. There isn't one. Because I, okay. <laughs> no qualification <laughs> no <term>. needed. <laughs> no qualifications. I, what I'm trying to say here is that I really don't like camping. It <laughs> is really hard for me. I think because I get cold and I'm such a wimp, but I get cold in the middle of the night. Um, and I'm always like, oh, I can't, I can't be outside. <laughs> um, but I also haven't had a ton of experience with camping. So maybe my opinion would change. I don't know. But I do love being outside. I love hiking. I love going into the woods, waterfalls, water of any kind. And um, that episode, I remember that it had that same. It was one of the earlier mm -hmm. episodes that you did, right? Yeah, it was one of the first I ones remember we recorded. Right. And so I had been getting into the podcast and enjoying it. And then in that episode, it was when it really clicked for me that there was this balance with you all, the way that you discussed your creative journeys. Um, it made me want to go on a family vacation and not be stressed mm -hmm. about not creating something or feeling like I should be back at home doing work. It made me want to go on a family vacation and enjoy it through the lens of an artist and um, realizing that that would help me create later and that's there was that balance between being motivating and also calming all at once and that's what I liked about that episode and I think that has carried on in your conversation since then as well I feel like there's this parallel between the time lapse of a creative vacation that will become something later and your music and how it develops and I guess um, matures over time and from like when you first write a song to when it's it's out there yeah it's always it's a long process long and not long all at once it just it happens in little pieces <laughs> Do you take time in your usual routine to get some nature girl time? <laughs> yeah. Um, I like to read outside. Oh, like dreamy. We live by a river, actually. So it's really nice to be able to walk by the river and sit by the river and just enjoy it feels like even though I live in the city it feels like I'm on vacation a little bit when I'm by that river so that's kind of cool <laughs> how do you choose what to read next oh you know my answer would be that I just ask you <laughs> really <laughs> you always have great <laughs> yeah I open your uh, everyday wonderland postcards especially the obsessions diary ones and I always scroll down because I have to see because you always have great like books and TV show recommendations. And I tend to like a lot of the things that you recommend. So I'm always excited to see those. So plug for Everyday Wonderland. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, thank you. That's actually something that I've had trouble figuring out lately mm. is how to read, how to figure out what I want to read next. So any suggestions? I know that you and Grace have a lot of uh, mediums by which you discover books. So I think that's something that I would be interested in hearing more about and maybe other listeners would too. Okay. I've noted this request for a future episode during your interview. <laughs> nice. 
What do you find to be the challenge? Is it not knowing which book of the pile to go for next? Or do you feel like you could be discovering even more options to to throw in the ring? I think it's not knowing what's good because I don't want to start something that I don't actually really want to read. And I think that happens with a lot of things these days, like going through Netflix and clicking on something to watch because it recommends it to you, but you realize that this really isn't the quality of show that you're looking for. But then you click on something thinking that it's going to be just like all of the other ones and it's actually something really good. And how would you have ever known Mm. that it was actually a legit movie when it was paired with things that weren't? And this might be all opinion based. So I'm trying not to name any names of works so that I don't offend anybody. But (laughs) I just it's hard to find what you want or what you like. Yeah, and you mentioned an interesting dilemma that we have in in the world that we're in with um, watching a lot of things on Netflix or streaming platforms is that we're kind of going against the tide of the algorithm of not mm. wanting to get... I find myself getting boxed into like being aware that even if I go and watch a little bit of this show and a little bit of that show that like I'm being watched the whole time oh yeah and so then the suggestions that my profile gives me will be tailored to what I've dabbled in (laughs) that's true I'm afraid it's like this with music as well which is a tricky thing with Spotify Mm. even though the world run the music world runs on it how there's there have to be artists that I've never heard that I would dearly love their music, but that I've never been able to find. And and yet it's cool that we can all be on there uh listening to whatever music we want and uploading whatever music we want. So that's a good thing too. As a musician with music on Spotify, do you have any insight that you feel you want to share with people about like what is a dream situation for you of someone coming up to you and saying that they discovered your music through because as a listener oh yeah it's just not as good a story um when I'm like oh I discovered this album yesterday because Spotify said I would really like it (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think that's sort of the way that it is. And so when people say that, I'm happy and I think, okay, it's working. Um, (laughs) That's good. But I think that a lot of people will listen to a song on a playlist and never actually go listen to the rest of the artist's catalog. And I know this because I've had some songs get on some big playlists, but you can tell that it doesn't immediately transfer to somebody following you on Instagram or listening to all of your music. And I do the same. Um, I find a song that I love on a playlist, but that song is associated with that playlist to be not with to that artist. And I think that's just a tricky thing that we as creators are figuring out how to navigate, how to break through the noise, but also not be spammy. It's definitely a whole nother conversation. <laughs> and I know there's some people who do some great, have some great discussions on these types of things. I really liked your um, Patreon discussion as well Mm -hmm. because some of my favorite messages that I've been getting lately are people who discovered me because of my Kickstarter campaign and they backed it. And that to me was so cool because they were just on Kickstarter clicking around and they became actual listeners who really enjoy the work. And, um, or at least that's what they told me, and it they probably did if they're meaningful. bothering to tell you. <laughs> yeah, and it's so meaningful because they got to be a part of the project. They got to put you know ten dollars in and be a part of this thing that I'm creating. And I never knew them before that, and now I you know have a, a relationship of sorts with them. And so it's just really cool to hear when people discover your, your art in a more personal setting than just oh I heard it on this playlist. So, yeah. Something that I'm thinking about as we opened this discussion with 
talking about the performer persona versus the creator, you're mentioning this other part, which is like the CEO or the the marketer. And artists have to also be business people, especially at, um, at an independent level. And something that you do particularly well is creating that cohesiveness and making your Kickstarter campaign and your Instagram such a in a, in like a a cohesive part of you as an artist where your Instagram is great it's a visual platform oh. and every time i see a post from you whether it's your album cover or not it it's very clearly rory to me how has this visual platform that you clearly have a knack for like how has that benefited your art as a business but also has it informed your art too are you thinking about are you integrating instagram ideas with creating things like creating music right Oh, there's so many different ways that I could answer this, but I think I'll start with saying that it's a lot of fun. Visuals Mm -hmm. are fun, especially when it's not my main thing because lately I've had a lot of video clips from my shows, which are kind of hard to curate because the lights are like obviously completely different each time and don't necessarily follow an exact aesthetic, but um, it's just fun to browse around on Pinterest and see a cool photo and then think of a song and be creatively inspired by other art mediums of art. Um, The other thing that I just thought of was for the case starter campaign, you actually helped me film that video. Most of it was filmed when I visited you in the UK in um, 2018, October, 2018. So I was watching that video again because I hadn't looked at it for a while. And I thought, how cool is it that the bookstore and the train, (laughs) literally the train and the beautiful countryside all match the Rory aesthetic so well. And that's so far away from where I live. And it's thanks Mm -hmm. to you that I was able to go there and get that, get those visuals. (laughs) So I don't know. I think it's a lot of fun to see what just fits what seems right. And that those visuals were definitely one of them. So thank you is what I'm trying to say here. (laughs) (laughs) I would, I I have to say I was not setting that up to be like, Oh, and that, that Kickstarter video that that, who who helped you film that? No, I meant like (laughs) true though. It's true because the basement of that bookstore with those books and music, a sheet music just everywhere that I don't know if you know which part I'm talking about. I, I do. It's uh, like, <laughs> that's Rory. And that was a place that you had thought of in your mind on the list that we needed to go to. So it's and really fun. And you had a list too. And I, I want to back up here for a moment and give some context that you and I have known each other since we were nine and ten years old. Yeah. We were in a play together and we had the same voice teacher. But really, other than that play, our relationship has pretty much been through letters and long distance. That's true. And then you came to visit me a couple of years ago, and we helped each other with some projects that we were working on. And you came with this list of these are the shots that I'm looking for. I have I don't think you even told me that you had a song called Train because I didn't I didn't know any of this uh, inside info. It was all very mysterious oh. and underlocked. But you're like, I need to take a shot on a train. <laughs> like, I need some footage from a train. I need some footage of this. And, like, knowing you um, and working with the specifics that you had in your imagination, we were able to get it done. And at the same time, I was filming my trailer for Everyday Wonderland, which is mostly filmed by you. 
Yeah, so there's some Easter eggs there. Is that the term? Yeah, I think so. Are we supposed to actually point those out or is that (laughs) it's not an Easter egg if you say it out loud? (laughs) I I think that if you say it out loud, it confirms it. Okay. Yeah. Surprise. We filmed those together. (laughs) Yeah. But I think that's been, that is the nature of our friendship as well is that I was thinking about this, how like we were friends when we were nine and 10, but we were also artistic collaborators from the very beginning. <laughs> that is true. I think within days of meeting you, we somehow had a notebook and we had somehow decided that we were going to write stories in this notebook and pass it back and forth. And we barely knew each other at this point. So it's pretty cool how that works. <laughs> yeah, I think the art project came before the friendship and then they sort of <laughs> developed yeah. simultaneously. <laughs> That's so, funny. <laughs> um on one hand, I'm always like, well, you're my friend and um, am I just supporting my friend's work? But also I've been a fan of you as an artist since before you were Rory. So, Same. Yeah. To you. <laughs> Not to <myself. laughs> Thank you. But I, think, I just think it's interesting to mention because art is what has like fueled our – friendship and yeah it's very true I was reading letters from you that I I mentioned on our letter writing episode of the show where we were in high school and like writing about our movie ideas and that we were (laughs) working on together and it was always just a very serious approach to the things that we we're creating for fun. Right. I think that's what made the friendship unique was that we both really, we weren't just talking about this stuff. We were very serious about it. And in one way or another, these things have turned into what we do now. So maybe it's not that exact movie that we were writing, that exact movie script that we were writing in eighth grade, but it's, something within our projects, um, our work, it's there. So I think that's really cool. And, you know, reflecting on it now, it doesn't really feel different to be creating the video for your Kickstarter for your first full-length album. It doesn't feel different from writing that first draft of our children's book. That's true. In terms of like, oh, this is more important. I think about this a lot in relation to what we were talking about at the very beginning of this conversation about how creating just for the love of it and not always for the achievement or to show it to somebody. The reason why I can't imagine not creating art, music, whatnot, is because I've always done that. from the very beginning and we have we're talking about these stories and books and movies that we were writing and creating when we were young and that's just been a natural part of life pretty normal this is what we like to do so just like some people like to play soccer and I mean you know I don't know I like sports (laughs) too but I'm just saying (laughs) it's the things that you like when you're young are sometimes things that you love as an adult as well And it sounds like you've mentioned a few different areas in which the things that you like for fun, be it science or (laughs) post-apocalyptic fiction, these things work their way into your music. Yes, that is what's fun about having something like, I don't know what it is, the Rory Rory music is that everything can kind of fit into it. Just like within heroin training, you can talk about a lot of different things at once as you do through your obsessions diaries as well. I just do it a little more blatantly than you. And it's always exciting to hear (laughs) uh, like, oh, this was inspired by something completely different than I would have guessed, like cars. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Is there anything else that you'd like to touch on as we 
we sadly get to the end of our our hour oh. together. I don't know. This has been such a fun conversation. I love all the different directions that it's taken, and I just hope that people enjoy listening to it. Thank you I so have much enjoyed for having it me. Too. You're so welcome. And as you know, we close the show by asking, what is the art life? The art life is filled with light. Ooh. Yes, it is. Yeah. And now I'm just playing your song in my head. <laughs> Sun. Everyone go listen to Sun. Can I play it right here? Like a little bit of sure, it? Sure. Now people can enjoy it too. Okay, we'll have a Sun dance party. Yay. Zandra, what is the art life? Oh, you're asking me too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The art life is creation and performance and everything in between. Yay! I love it. Rory, thank you so much for joining us in the virtual studio as our first guest. Where can everyone find your art? All of the links to all of my music are at rorymusic.com, R-O-R-I-E-M-U-S-I-C.com. And I'm on social media pretty much anywhere at Rory Music. Awesome. I recommend checking out Rory's Instagram in particular. And yeah, go listen to her music. Yay. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. And Hi, Grace. <laughs> Hi, Grace. So, Grace, what is the art life? The art life, oh, well, gosh, you know, at the beginning of the interview, she said the loveliest piece of feedback about the podcast. So I want to say, I just want to repeat it back because it meant so much to me. The art life is calming and motivating. Mm. Both the show and our lives. (laughs) Oh, I love I love how complete all of this is, and um, it was it was so amazing to hear Roy Aaron's perspective. That was such a wonderful piece of feedback, and it's like yeah. that's something I I want to hear. It's like motivating doesn't have to be stressful. It doesn't have to feel pressured, and calming doesn't mean lazy. Mm. You know, I think this this show aims to integrate those energies. And it just felt so good to hear her say that. So I don't know about you, but there was so much about her her daily life and her process that I, I had no idea about. And I loved learning about the choices that she makes as an artist, the little details of words that change in songs over years of playing them. But I just wanted to take a second to reflect on, on this moment. I, I really appreciated when she talked about she talked about how watching certain documentaries and and living as a performer herself she started reflecting so much recently on how we treat artists and Mm. like celebrities quote unquote and she just she said that she like has so much respect for the fact that people have lives off stage and I really think I love learning about her process and her choices, but I just felt as a listener, as a listener to this interview, I felt so appreciative of the time that she took to reflect on like the kindness that we should be showing artists, you know, the the importance of seeing artists, performers, celebrities as people. I really appreciated that part of her interview. Mm. I think I'll add that to my list of intentions going forward with 
when we're interviewing every guest on this show is to remember that foremost they are people and not just experts or, uh, you know, any sort of professional title. The people come first. They really do. And, you know, that was an important part of my process as a human being, even just like moving to L.A. and brushing up against or working more and more with people who I maybe held on a pedestal for Mm -hmm. some parts of my life or, you know, people who I admired or people who were like or people I I dislike, you know, actors or film people who I thought I disliked. I've realized more and more like, oh, these are just people. Everyone's just a person. They all have to take the trash out or, or, you know, maybe they have someone to do that, but they all have things that stress them out or that they're insecure about. And it's been like a really important thing for me to remember that and to set that as an intention because it is easy to just treat performers or celebrities as sort of like punching bags. Or to criticize them in a way that you would never criticize a person you're looking into the eyes of. And I'm so glad that she took the time to point that out. Because I think that is so important. Yeah. Grace, I got to be there in this conversation. Was there anything else that you wanted to comment on? I just wanted to say thank you and I I, I did want to comment on this one portion of the interview where where she said I just love creating Mm. it was just it was a wonderful moment where she reminded us that it's not always about product and that she's learning to you know process over product more and more but the reality is that she just loves creating and I just like immediately wrote that down when she said it because it was like yeah it really is that simple this can be your job this cannot be your job this can be a priority for you it cannot be a priority for you but if you just love creating that's enough that's enough of a reason to do it yeah I love that for me it got me reflecting on our dynamic and how Erin echoes a lot of things that we say on the art life because she listens so closely. And I I wanted to celebrate things that I love about her work because I listen so closely as a fan. And that's who I choose to spend my time with. That's who I choose to surround myself with. And so it was really cool to bring that conversation on air because behind the scenes I get voice memos or little text messages from her after every episode we release. And so it was just a really cool way to open the circle up to um, to an artist I admire, a dear friend, and also someone who who really understands and is excited about the, the concepts that we want to broaden that is the art life. Is there anything else that you'd like to add or you'd like to point out about the interview? I think after we hung up, we were both just like grinning when we turned our video back on. We were like, that was so fun. So I'll leave it with that. Awesome. And a big, big thank you to Rory, to Aaron for, um, for being our first guest yeah, thank you so much. We just really appreciate it. And Zandra, I believe you also made a playlist, right, of songs that she that you guys mention um, in the interview. Yes. Okay. This is important. So I made a playlist of all of the songs that we mentioned, and um, it's on Spotify. So I will link to that in the description for this episode, so that you get to listen along and hear the uh hear the music that we're talking about alongside the conversation amazing i can't wait to listen well to everyone listening i hope that you enjoyed this as much as we did and let us know who we should interview next 
we really want to take your suggestions and requests into consideration as we're crafting our interview guest invitation schedule. And from my side of the world, I will wish you a good morning. And from my side of the world, good night. With Rory's time zone in between. With Rory's time zone on the East Coast of the U.S. in between. Bye. Bye. This is The Art Life, a heroin training podcast with Grace Gordon and me, Zandra Robinson-Burns. You can find us online at theartlife.show and send letters to The Art Life, care of Grace Gordon, P.O. Box number 4292, Valley Village, California, 91607, or email us, theartlife at herointraining.com. Our theme music is The Stream by Rory. Thank you for joining us.